0: and welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Blackhawks Ringcast. I'm your host, John Jekyll. Joining me tonight are Andy Campbell and Sean Fitzgerald. Uh, before we get into introducing these fine fellows, let me talk about our new sponsor. Um, and no, there is a direct connection between our new sponsor and fellas. Um, but before I get into who they are and what they do, I want to explain that here at the rink we've only had one sponsor since we opened shop in late 2017, that's puckhockey.com because their culture and values align with ours and those of our readers and podcast subscribers. Well, the same is true of our new sponsor, manscaped.com. If you're not familiar with manscaped, check them out, grab a pen, write this down or open a new browser window and type it in M A N. S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. Just like it sounds, manscaped.com. In addition to the fact that dudes need grooming help in general, I mean, just take a look at Gatekeeper and myself, we especially need grooming help in the more sensitive and private parts of the anatomy. Just ask your wife or girlfriend with or any other significant other. With that in mind, proceed to manscaped.com and, and, Get 20% off anything there with our discount code. Write this down. The RANK CHICAGO. All caps, no dash, no spaces. 20% off. The RANK CHICAGO. And here's what's really cool. I love elegantly designed products. Stuff that looks great and works great. And that's what they make. They've got these trimmers that are especially designed for sensitive skin in sensitive areas. And um, coarse hair. They have lotions, they have tote bags, they have underwear, and it's all really cool. It's all really nicely designed, and it's very affordable. And we're going to be able to show you some of this stuff soon, not the stuff that it's meant for, mind you, but to the actual products on the ringcast. Uh, this ringcast, uh, the Blackhawks ringcast, the Avalanche ringcast run by Aaron Goldschmidt, and the Seattle Kraken ringcast run by Gatekeeper. But until then, until we have those, we can show them to you. Just head over to Manscaped.com and check them out. And if you really, if you feel like buying something, if you got a little uh, cash in your stocking at Christmas, you can save twenty percent on anything there with the Rink Chicago discount code. So, let's get back to hockey and away from um, manscaping for a moment. Uh, Andy Campbell, I see that Santa Claus brought you something new there atop your head.
1: Yeah, it's a fun one, little yogurt hat, very exciting, KHL, I've actually been to that rink where yogurt Ooh. plays, went, went to Helsinki in 1996, 97. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's a fun hat, wonderful gift from my lovely wife, very excited about it when I opened it.
0: Well, you should give your wife a gift and go to manscaped.com, I'm just going kind of <laughs> well, to
2: close
0: that out of. you. Hey, I'm, I've already,
1: I've got one.
0: <laughs> Sean, hey, how you doing, man? I'm
2: good, I'm good my hat's not as cool as Andy's. Um, I think it is. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2016. I did the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto and the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown in one Very trip. Cool. That's so.
0: awesome. Um, well, I'm just sporting the old, uh, well-worn, uh, Blackhawks official hat. Um, it's appeared in many ranks, not in the Yoker at rank or at the hockey hall of fame. I've been to the hockey hall of fame and it's very cool. And if you get to Toronto, for i sure. recommend you all check it out there in downtown Toronto. Um, it's, uh, it's quite memorable. I think the thing that was like most memorable for me, I haven't been there in like over 20 years. Uh-huh. The thing that was most memorable was that Dale Talon is in the hockey hall of fame for, um, I believe he played for team Canada back in the seventies.
2: Oh, and wow. I had
0: a picture of Dale telling there and Dale at that time was, uh, was uh, doing color for the Blackhawks with Pat Foley, and it's uh, like my lasting memory. That and standing next to the Stanley Cup, which was which yeah. was really cool too. And the, yeah, ta- Talon like the, was uh, on of the Basilica. Yeah, Talon
1: was on that roster of that seventy-two Summit team. There you go. Uh, that beat the Soviets. So that's what yeah.
0: it was. That's what it was. You're bringing it back now. So
2: and and I do have a bobblehead of Pat Foley and Dale Talon doing the broadcast huh. at uh, I believe I think it's at the United Center. I have one. It's some, it was one of the um, the few Blackhawks bobbleheads I got from that era. Like when they were a thing, I got one. It was, I happened to get to the game early and got one of those. Very so cool. cool. Very cool.
0: Um, so gentlemen, I guess the big news that we need to dissect, and we probably will spend most of the show on this. Um, we've got some questions um, to deal with a little later on. Um, and I think we'll do We'll touch on the Dylan Strom situation a little bit. I did a little poking around today and uh, I think maybe a little bit of uh, light I could shed on that. Maybe not. Not a ton. Um, and then also um, Andrew Shaw. Um, there's there's some Andrew Shaw news, folks. Um, but uh, let's talk about Jonathan Taves. Um, so it's no secret now that Jonathan Taves is dealing with a hoc, a non hockey related illness. Um, thank you, uh, Wally Bush, one of our uh, listeners and readers who uh, reminded me that it's in fact not an injury, it's an illness. I uh, had a poor choice of words on the tweet um, this afternoon. But um, So I think you guys have listened to this. I know I spent some time really listening hard to Stan Bowman's interview on the um, Charlie Romeliotis and Pat Foley, Pat Foley, Pat Boyle. Um, there's my name non sequitur of the show, Sean. You're <laughs> uh, posing Pat Foley and Pat Boyle. That's not so bad. Um, <laughs> but on uh, their podcast, uh, Blackhawks Talk, they did an interview with Bowman. I, you know, I, I'm call me a skeptic. A lot of people do. Call me a cynic. A lot of people call me that, too. But I do feel that, you know, when Bowman goes on a show like that, a lot of the stuff, and this is not an indictment of Charlie or Pat at all. But when Bowman goes on there, he's going on there to get a specific message or messages out into the public. And the uh, guardrails are very tight for what he says. So I think there's a lot we can glean from what he said. So what I heard him saying was that, you know, hockey is secondary right now to Jonathan Taves' health. Um, That, you know, sometimes these things, these things, and that was the language he used, have their own timeline um, so there's a lot of vagueness around this. I mean, there was in the statement that came out that, that, you know, included Taves' statement last week, but, but also in terms of this follow-up with Bowman here on Blackhawks talk. Um, certainly we hope he can get back to feeling better soon and then playing hockey. Uh, quote, we're not trying to be vague. We're not sure what, we're not quite sure what's ailing him at the moment, which I, I believe that's true. I'm, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that they don't know exactly what it is. Well, we can come back to that, you know, after you guys have a chance to weigh in. I have some thoughts on that. And we have to focus on who's here now, meaning the players who are coming into camp in a few days and what they have in the roster. It does sound as though they are planning for Taves to be out for some time. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that and the ramifications of it. So without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to my, my capable um, fellow Rick Rats. Sean,
2: why don't you go first? So um, I listened to that part of the, the podcast too. And what really stuck out to me about what Stan Bowman said was they don't know how long he's been dealing with it. Like they, they said, Stan said um, that hockey players just try to get themselves right and feeling right. And sometimes you don't feel right for a while and you don't quite know what it was. Uh, I believe Stan alluded to that he might've been feeling this way in the bubble. He might not have been. Um, being some beings, uh, someone who's dealt with something similar, um, you kind of just, you kind of just gotta, um, it just takes a while. Like, even when you overcome something like this, like he's not going to be right, right away. It takes you like six months to a year sometimes just to recover from some known, if it's what I think it is. I, th- I'm speculating with that it's something, um, autoimmune related. That's, that's what I'm thinking. And I personally have had I have autoimmune diseases. so I understand like I get um, I've gone through it and I didn't know what it was at first and it took a while. you just didn't feel right and then eventually it kind of, they kind of have to they kind of have to pick and prod at you to figure out what it is. And then once they do, then they figure out how to treat you and it doesn't it doesn't um, necessarily like even though you've been treated, it doesn't necessarily mean you're back to 100% right away. So um, the big thing I took about it though, is that they've known about it for a while. Why are we just learning about it now is my thing. Right. Like why, why are they so close to training camp? Why are they sharing this with us now? And why didn't they start planning for this scenario ahead of time? That, that's my big caveat of what Stan said.
0: Good points. Well, uh, I'm going to see if I can address that, but AC, what do you got?
2: Well,
1: I mean, I don't, it's scary. I mean, I don't, you know, when you hear about someone with an ailment and they don't exactly know what it is and the public is clamoring to find out and the team says that they don't really know. And I mean, the bottom line, I mean, Jonathan Taves has been the Blackhawks best 200 foot hockey player for 12 or 13 seasons. You know how badly he wants to be in there. He lives and breathes the sport um i mean he he will have a banner at the united center with his name and number on it i mean and he will be in the hockey hall of fame there's no question but um i, I don't know it's scary i mean i it, it's amazing the things that cross your mind when you first hear about that he has an ailment or an injury or an illness you know you first think oh covid or then you think right. well he has taken some headshots before is this right. that some was another sort of thing post post concussion thing coming back but then you know they did say illness you know i don't you know, but I guess illness could do with your head, but you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, but this, this fatigue factor that keeps coming up that he's been having workouts and, and, you know, when he does his, he is just exhausted afterwards, um, or some of the the rumors that are, that are trickling out, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm with Sean on this too. I mean, if, if they knew this for a long time, you know, I mean, I, I think Stan's you know, John, as you mentioned, the guardrails are kind of. Saying, yeah, I guess we knew about it, but we didn't know it was going to, you know, impact the start of his season. Well, at what point did you know that? And at what point did you tell Kirby Doc it was okay to go? And there's a lot of dominoes here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and I, you know, and you don't want to point the finger because I. The primary concern right now is Jonathan Taves' health for his well-being, you know, not hockey-related, and and for him to you know best of luck to him and prayers with him that they figured this out quickly um but wow i mean you know now now all of a sudden you're going into a season you know the alex nylander thing you kind of you kind of went oh well that really stinks for him but well you know we might not miss him all that much on the ice and then doc and then taves and it's wow this now and now you're rebuilding no matter what you want to publicly call it
2: yeah um you're just- almost tanking without actually tanking
1: yeah Right. And it's just a, it's just this huge kaboom. And I don't know, I, I love watching 19 out there, you know, I mean, we're all big fans and uh, this whole thing stinks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've always been a huge Taves fan and um, I love how he plays the game. I always have his competitiveness and, you know, I'll just remember, you know, the way he took over um, games in the uh, 2015 Western conference finals. against yep. Dan yeah. And uh, I mean, it was just, there were a lot of heroic performances in that series. I mean, Duncan Keith was was just ungodly, you know, in that whole playoff run. And, you know, um, but, you know, Dave's just he's uh, he's one of those one of a kind guys. And, and yeah, I mean, Andy, you're absolutely right. It, it, if he if if there wasn't something, this is not something that he would exaggerate or you know um be a band-aid about i mean this is a guy who's played through a lot of pain and a lot of injuries over the years and and uh some of which haven't been publicized um but um you know it just strikes me as interesting that i think the language um that that the team put forth in the actual crafted statement and the things that bowman was saying it's very very um carefully selected this language you know and um it's, it, I don't think necessarily that they're trying to mislead anybody, but I think they're being very careful in how they, and how they serve this up. And, and um, you know, it could be, um, I tried to think through it, you know, on the positive side, it could be that they're just really trying to respect his privacy. Um, and I believe that's part of it regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they, cause you know, there's been a lot of um, dime store, um, dime store doctrine going on um, in the hawk blogosphere about this and people coming up with diagnoses, et cetera. And I've, Sean, as you know, I mean, I've been guilty of it. I've had some thoughts about what it could possibly be. And, and, um,
2: Maguire the went the matter, on, sorry, McGuire went on Ottawa's radio. Didn't he even say it was a back injury?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. He said it was an, a training injury, um, which it turns out it's not. I, I don't know if he, if he actually said back injury, I didn't actually hear the clip. Um, I know I, I had surmised that it might be a back injury based upon, the fact that he injured his back in the world in the world championships a couple of years ago pretty badly worse than was publicized anyway and and uh that it could be a, a, a you know a flare of that but um it sounds as though it is some kind of an undiagnosed or unspecified you know um it, it, metabolic um injury that he, or illness that he's got and uh you know so they could be trying to protect his privacy they could also be you know really trying to as the hawks i think are prone to do is they're always evaluating the public relations value or damage of anything you know so how they respond to it they're going to be really really careful and um you know at a time when they're going into camp and there's a certain tone that they're trying to set with the team etc you know maybe maybe they are being a little uh, oblique about what they say and how they say it about this and uh but I think the other side of it is I do genuinely believe that they're – I don't think that they're lying, that that they don't, they're they not sure what it is. I think that's true. Because if they were not being truthful about that and, and people found out, that would not be a good
2: thing, you know? So, yeah. um, Do you guys think there's a level of cynicism regla- uh, regarding this, though, because of what happened with Marian Hosa? I, I mean, yeah. do, you, do you think they're going to face backlash for that, even though, like you said, John, they probably don't know, but people could be speculating – we live in the world of speculation and conspiracy theories that it's similar to what happened to Hosa. What
1: do you think? What do you think, Andy? I mean, absolutely. And I, well, I think just because it's the NHL, <laughs> I mean, yeah. the NHL and they're a whole, you know, they're just their non disclosure policy around everything. I mean, it's just this, this enormous tunnel filled with injury secrets and, and ailments. Um, you know, but again, I, you know, and, and JJ, I think your point needs to be well taken and and really needs to be well taken on the, by the public this could be this could be very private for him yeah. um, absolutely and I and I think that that actually you know and, and I don't I know the, the intentions are to put management in an awkward position by saying this is private information but if you, if you're holding on to a secret and your management and you're being asked to publicly comment on it yeah, you're gonna fumble around and screw it up a little bit yeah. when you when you talk about it because you're you're trying to protect you know your your captain here who's dealing with something that might be very very personal and you don't you know you don't want it to expose it uh, to the public so that does put you in a weird spot whenever you need to comment publicly on it um but yeah i mean i'm yeah i mean i'm always i'm a conspiracy theorist in general you know there's always something behind the candelabra there's always something going on somebody knows something um and there there are probably more people than we know and you know the doctors and the people that work with the hawks that know a lot about what's going on with him and they're just not prepared to put a timetable on it possibly i mean the minute you say this is what's going on then people are going to start saying okay well when when's he coming back then
0: right, right and
1: and and they might not have any idea they might not they might know what it is but the doctors might be saying to them guys we're we're not putting a timetable on this we're we're calling months uh, months, years, who knows what it is. So, um, yeah, I think it, it's probably a very difficult position for the organization to to be put in, but someone knows something and they're working on it. Well, we know that.
0: That's the, Andy, you took the words out of my mouth. Cause this is, this is the, this is the, the cynic in me, but it's also just the fact that I work, I work in marketing, but I work in, in marketing. That's, that's deeply rooted in science and, um, and in, in biological science and, you know, m- medical science and technology has come so far in the last, you know, every year there, there, you know, bigger and bigger advances. And, and while there still are medical mysteries, you know, out there, there are many, <laughs> you know, and there are many things that with the technology that's available and, and the, the knowledge sharing that's available, um, that goes on every day, um, you know, it's, there's there's not a lot of things that could stay a mystery for very long, and I and that's a part of the, this the sketchy language that they're offering up that I find a little bit mm, dubious. You know, I mean, I, it could well be again they don't know exactly what it is, but I'll bet they have a pretty good idea at this point. Uh, you know, if it's if it's not one thing in particular that it, it's it's one of a, a group of different disorders. Um, and again, I mean, it, but but again it's really would be really irresponsible for them to say anything unless they know a hundred percent you know what totally. I mean and what it totally. is and um yeah I mean it's so funny because I think all of us we, we all want to know what's going on because we all want to know what it means to him and what it means to the team and that's okay I mean we're fans you know and we're Taves fans and um you know um you know watching the game last night the the Ohio State Clemson I didn't mean it on this road, but I'm going to say it. I mean, the injuries, the the players coming off the field and you're looking at him, you're going, okay, is that a cramp or is that guy really hurt? Cause there were a lot, of, it was a rock and sock em game. And, yeah. and, you know, you, you, you think about the kid, you know, and you think about, and I think that's what's going on with Tays. We all love him. We all know he's not going to play forever. Um, and, you know, he may only play another two, three, four, five years if he plays again. I mean, we don't know, but the bottom line is, is you, you just want the best for him and for his family and, uh, you know, so we'll keep we'll keep the positive vibes going on for him, and and you know I think Bowman hit the right notes as far as that. I mean, they're thinking about him first, and and not necessarily the team. And and uh, you guys are right, because you guys are right. I mean, this does, and this is going to answer one of the questions that we got from the readers, but this really does push them into the lottery. You know, and and it it really does hasten. Um, Or, you know, get them a higher draft pick and and perhaps hastens the rebuild a little bit, especially if he's out for the year or or longer, you know, or this this curtails his career in some way, you know, he's one of the the last things sort of upholding this team, (laughs) the respectability of this team as an NHL, you know, competitor and uh, so you know it's 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 going to impact things you know, Um, so any thoughts on that? I mean, on, on the impact on the team. I mean, I know we we've talked about that extensively in our chat. What do you guys think?
1: Um, well, I mean, your, your first thought is obviously well, what now, um, you know, what are they going to do? The Strom piece is still kind of lingering out there. I don't know. I, but I'm kind of, as far as Strom is concerned right now, I'm somewhat indifferent. Um, and, and I, and I hate feeling that way, but it's like, okay, if they sign him, fine. If they don't, I I don't I don't think he's going to change the trajectory of uh, the Blackhawks for the 2021 season. I don't I don't think Dylan Strom's presence on the ice. Sure, it'll help and he'll get a few points here and there. But I I, I don't think he's the game changer that will propel them out of lottery mode. Um, you know, so they've got this huge list of of center depth. And I think that, you know, you also hear a lot of the fans that now are going, oh, well, Okay, well now it's play the kids, give them as much experience as possible, but you also need to pause for a second. And they do have some decent assets that are on short-term deals that they can showcase, and they could possibly move them, you know, before the April 12th deadline. So I do think that it's that it's semi-important to still play guys like Soderbergh, still play guys like Walmart, um, you know, and the guys that you have on these one-year cheap deals that will ultimately be prorated because again, with the with the finances of the NHL, we don't know a whole lot. I mean, that's a bigger mystery than, than anything we're talking about. And as far as movement and cap movement at the deadline with so much lost revenue, who knows what kinds of teams are going to be taking chances. So everyone needs to get out of their head, moving big contracts. I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't see by the deadline that happened happening unless they're packaged well, but you know, with some of the, some of the players that they do have signed, you know, the Soder, Soderberghs, Walmart, Gammark, um, you know, the, those are guys that that need to play still. Even, I do want to see a lot of the rookies. I want to see a lot of the young kids. I want to see the future of the Hawks, but you can still use those players as bargaining chips if you put them in situations and they're somewhat successful to move some parts before the deadline and get decent returns. And then actually you do have You know, Stan could hang his hat on the fact saying, Yeah, well, actually, these short term deals with the 35 year old Carl Soderbergh was actually part of a rebuild formula. You know, because we have all these aging contracts that we can't move, but what you can do is you can sign some veterans cheap and then try to move them to cup contenders. Um, So, as far as the season, I do want to see some of the kids play, but I I still think you need to showcase some of the existing talent right away that are NHL proven guys uh, before the deadline in the hopes that you get.
2: Get a return on them at some point, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, I I piggyback off what Andy said. I think he's exactly right. I think you need to play the, your Yanmarks, your Walmarts, your Schoderbergs, and then you sprinkle in the kids because you don't want to expose them to the NHL and just drop them in the deep end of the pool right. and overexpose them, and then hope hopefully not uh, hinder their growth. So what you're going to do is you're going to what you want to do is you sprinkle them in, you let them play sparingly, you let them play in segments. And then once you move your Yanmark, your Walmart and Soderberg at the deadline, then the kids hopefully have acclimated enough to the NHL that they're ready to continue to play the rest of that year. And you use after the trade deadline as a development period for all your kids. That's what I think they should do because you accomplish two things. You acquire assets for hopefully your rebuild, but then you also use, part of this year is a development for your kids for the future because oh, they're not winning anything this year e- everything they're doing is everything every move they make should be building towards the future that's that's the goal now every move they make so Great. they've got to shelter the kids with the veterans they have until hopefully they can get deals that work for them cuz obviously you're not going to get like a huge return but any return for Soderbergh or Walmart or Yanmar. or you just keep you keep one or two of them and you shelter the kids and you let the kids learn from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you've, you you got to look towards the future for sure. But you don't want to rush the process because right. if you rush the process, you're going to, it's going to be one step forward, three steps back.
0: Yep.
1: And well, that's why like even um, guys like, even guys like Khrushchev, I mean, they' is going to be part of the Blackhawks future. You know, and a lot of people are saying, oh my gosh, now put him in right now, get him as much time as possible. And I, I think there, there is some merit to that. But again, if he is gonna be part of your future and you can still move other guys that aren't gonna be part of your future, you need to play them.
2: Like they need to be showcased in different situations. So Or you let you let Kershiv develop in Rockford for a couple of weeks right. and then you bring him up and you let some of your guys who are in your taxi squad fill that void until right. he's until you think he's got enough under his belt. Because I mean transitioning from different leagues takes time and you've got to acclimate to each league so
0: right so Bowman on the Blackhawks talk show did allude to um in some detail the you know the dynamic of these younger players and how they might be integrated you know that some may start the season on the NHL roster some may start in the taxi squad some may start in Rockford I mean really you've got like this big universe of prospects that are going to be somewhere within a hundred miles of the United center, you know, um, mm-hmm. and they're going to be somewhat interchangeable. They're going to be able to move them around. And, and it's nice. It's it's a nice fluid situation for the team. Um, and, and I think it, it, you know, if they're smart about it, you know, if they make, if they make the right decisions about where to have these guys um, that it will be good for their development. And I, I agree that's it's, it really feels like this season he's really transitioning to you know really more of a true developmental rebuild type of season you know um and it was interesting you know one of the things that Bowman did did make a point of talking about and I'll kind of skip ahead um because I wanted to talk about Strom but we'll talk we'll come back to Strom but he, he talked about Andrew Shaw. Andrew Shaw apparently is 100% healthy and says he's ready to go et cetera, et et cetera. and I think one of the hosts, I believe it was Boyle, um, you know, pressed him a little bit and said, you know, is he really feeling well? And he said, yeah, you know, and I mean, I personally put the over under on the number of games that Shaw will be healthy and able to play in at about 29, um, just based upon his, his injury history over the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe he'll, he'll make the over and maybe if he does, and maybe if he plays, you know, a majority of the games leading up to the trade deadline, he might become a chip, you know, one of those, um pieces that bowman could move at the deadline one of our readers um chris pummer from twitter asked you know with the hawks forced into a real rebuild now how do you rate the remaining pieces that can be traded for future assets is it better to let some guys who had down years a season ago rebuild their value before moving them um that last question's kind of the answer's kind of in the question yeah sure of course it is chris and um you know shaw would be one of those guys maybe if he could stay healthy um, and be reasonably productive in some role um, not get his head knocked off you know, right. <laughs> um, you know I think um, he's a guy that they could move at the deadline possibly I mean he's got a fairly pricey contract yeah. but again they could retain some money on that and um, you know but I think that I think that they're you know I think clearly um, the Blackhawks are not in terms of a talent depth chart both nhl and and minors and prospects they're not like a, in a next man up scenario where somebody goes down the next guy comes up and he's just as good or almost as good and and you're you know it's all about excellence that's not where they are they don't they don't have the depth anywhere in the organization really except maybe you know at scoring wing they seem to have three good scoring wings you know but other than that they're pretty they're pretty weak and So it is going to be about development, you know, Um, and the hit, the the Taves injury, assuming he's out all or most of the season is going to definitely, um, is going to definitely help that, that part of it, if they handle it well, you know, and they don't overexpose the wrong kids at the wrong times, you know? So we'll see.
1: Um, I think there are going to be, I actually think there are going to be younger players on the defensive end that will see time. And I mean, you bring up Andrew Shaw and kind of the over under on know how many games he's going to play I mean you've got Connor Murphy Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan who all have big contracts who are all susceptible to injury who are going to have a condensed season where they're playing a lot of games back-to-back nights and 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 in a very quick schedule and this isn't exactly the goaltending model that the Blackhawks have right now is just hey just let him see the puck and he'll take care of the rebounds I mean, these guys, if if they are going to be in any games whatsoever, they're going to need to be blocking shots.
0: Yeah. You know, they
1: yeah. don't. They just, you know, they lost Doc. They lost Taves. The the defensemen on the Blackhawks this year are going to be running for their lives in their own zone for most of the season. I mean, and they are going to be very busy. They're going to get very tired. And you've got those three guys that I just mentioned, where they're they're going to get dinged up. I mean, they're they will probably even if it's a shortened season. It is hard to envision Dahan Murphy and Seabrook getting all three of those guys getting through a season without getting hurt.
0: Yeah,
1: and so I, I, I do think there are going to be a lot of call up opportunities for those for those younger defensemen.
2: Um, yeah, and I think it's going to be a hard job for Jeremy Colleton because he's going to have to manage his his roster in such a way where, like John was saying, he's going to have to shelter Andrew Shaw because if you want to get mass if you want to get value out of Andrew Shaw on the team you've got to protect Shaw from himself so if you want him to exceed the 29 games you can't keep running him out there or you've got to be like you cannot fight like I don't care what happens you have head injuries you can't do it and with the defenseman too he's gonna to have to shelter some of these guys like they're gonna like obviously Connor Murphy's gonna play a lot Duncan Keith's gonna play a lot but then we're probably going to have to see more of sealer just because of the shortened schedule and the rotations. We're going to have to see some of those guys that we don't really want to see, but we're going to have to based on the schedule. So I think this is going to be a really tough test for Jeremy Colleton and how he kind of juggles the development, um, trying to be competitive in games, but also protecting some of his players that he needs to in terms of their age and, Injury history. Yeah. Nope. So, but yeah, there's going to be. And if this is the year of Colton's got to show what he can do, because remember, they brought him in, they thought he was this genius that he worked well in Rockford and all this stuff. And the veterans didn't really respect him when he came. That's the least talk. He's going to have a lot of younger guys now in the NHL level. So that he's got to show that he can coach. Otherwise, It might be, he might not be the right man for the, he might not be for the right man for the job going forward. I don't believe he's the right man for the job right now, but the situation's changed. So maybe he, now he fits the new situation.
0: Well, he certainly was not the right guy to come in on a, to a veteran team that really thought that they were legitimately a playoff team that could contend. It it just, you know, and I think we've, we've, we've discussed that in the past, you know, following Joel Quinville um that was you know he was almost set up for failure and my thinking was at the time you know this is this this is the first signal that they're thinking now about prospect development and you know the thing and i'm certain that what 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 got him the job was the fact that he had done a good job in rockford the prior season or at least by all indicators he had um so they they were starting to think that way more but it just seemed odd when they had this very veteran very expensive roster that's and they were still talking about, you know, getting to the playoffs and possibly contending for a cup, even though there, there was really no hope for it at that point. But uh, that's the Blackhawks. I mean, that's what they do. But <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's let's segue because um, Bowman had some interesting comments also about Dylan Strom. And uh, one of our readers pointed this out. And I actually had heard this myself on the um, the, the Blackhawks talk podcast. Um, the fact that. Um, You know, Bowman made a point of saying that uh, the Doc and Tave situation does not give give Strom any unique leverage, which was the right answer. And I I genuinely hope he, he means that because when we talked about this, you know, last week, the fact that overpaying Strom because of these injuries is really a penny wise and pound foolish move. It's very short term and it's not necessarily in the best interest of the team unless there's some other reason to pay Strom a lot of money. But it really struck me listening to Bowman and and having listened to these, these GM riffs on salary negotiations in the past. It really did strike me that he's kind of at loggerheads with, with Strom's um, agent. At least he was the, at the moment this was recorded. And he basically, what he basically said was that, you know, we don't see the players value the same way as, as a agent does. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. Um, but that's also part of the negotiating process as well. I mean, he talked about, um, in addition to that, he talked about the fact that, you know, players and agents need to be cognizant of the fact that the, the marketplace is shifting. We're moving more toward a, a no or low growth cap, or we're not even moving, we're there. Um, it's forcing a new reality. And, and you know, so if the fans need to be patient about the Strom situation, even though camp is a few days away um, I did a little poking around. I found out Strom recently replaced agents. Um, I think uh, Charlie Ramiliotis actually reported that last week. Um, and he's gone with Don Meehan, who runs a big uh, Newport, which is a big agent group and represents a lot of players. Interestingly, I found no one on the current Blackhawk roster who um, they represent other than Strom, um, which, you know, sometimes that familiarity between GM and an agent, you know, if they've got multiple players And they've worked contracts with them before, you know, you can have some confidence that they're going to be able to work something out. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case here. It's also not unusual for them to negotiate with an agent who only represents one of their players, as is the case here. So it's not a a deal breaker by any means, but it just this one sounds a little lacrimonious. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard anything or read anything to that effect.
2: I haven't, but it, it sounds it—at uh, least the way you framed it, it sounds like they're heading towards a divorce. Like it sounds like they're—they're they're heading towards okay. Well, you, this is our final offer. You either take it, or we're going to find a place for you, or we're going to trade your rights someplace. Um, and what Strom is doing is basically he thought his previous agent wasn't getting the job done, and he wants to get paid the way he thinks he should get paid. And I think the fact that Bone was saying that the market's changing and stuff like that, he's setting it up to saying, we're going to lowball you. I think or we're going to give him an offer that's going to be lower than what he thought he was worth projected going into 2019 because of COVID. Because that's um, money seems to be the name of the game when it comes to professional sports these days.
0: Oh, yeah it is and it, it it has been for a long time but it's it's certainly more out front now than it than it's been than it's ever been um I'm not sure um that because again these there is this kind of language in a lot of these negotiations and and you know you'll turn around two days later and the player signed and everybody's happy and and loves each other and has only nice things to say about each other but it could be i mean that that's, it's also possible that that strom will end up getting dealt i mean we certainly Talked about it here on the show, I think last week ad nauseum, and um, I think um, so that's that's a real possibility, and it's it's because he does he maybe does not fit the model of what they're trying to rebuild around, and um, so we'll see we'll see if if they bring him back in, but it doesn't sound like they're gonna they're gonna bring him back in on, on any kind of a you know um, a deal like for example the Pierre Luc Dubois deal that was inked last week um, in Columbus, which was interesting because there were people. In a Twitter thread I was, was following, there were people talking about making comparisons between PLD and Strom, which I, found, I thought was kind of funny because I don't think there's much comparison there. And no. I think that's precisely why Bowman would not overpay him. Right. And PLD at $5 million a year, which is a lot more than Strom's going to get in Chicago anyway, PLD at that, at that price is a bargain in my opinion. And uh, that's the kind of player Bowman wants to rebuild with, I think, if you can get guys like that or guys of that profile or sort of going in that direction and I'm just not sure Strom is, is ever going to be that kind of guy. So,
1: yeah, I I'm I'm pretty pleased that that Bowman phrased that the way that he did. Yep. Um, and too. and it's and it's it's candid. I mean, just he's telling the truth. He's yep. just saying, "Look, I I actually don't think this guy's that important, folks." Right. Um, and or maybe just not as important as as what he's asking for. It might be just a term issue. You know, Stromer might be looking for an extra year. Um, or maybe like a, a two year deal or a, a two year bargain of some sort, but, you know, and, and, I, and I, I would hope I would think that Stan would stick to his guns and saying one year, if anything. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I, I'm certainly not on standby here waiting to check Twitter to find news on Dylan Strom. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, it, unless he's traded, unless he's traded, because I, I would, I'd be very curious to see what the return is. Um, but if they if they sign him, you know, I mean, my expectation would be if they sign him, it might even be, you know, south of a million dollars for one year. Um, I think I think Soderbergh as a one million dollar one year hockey player is a better asset to the team than Dylan Strom is. Period. I, I just do. Um, you know, I mean, you even you even look like you look at Zidane Chara signing a contract, one year deal for, you know, was it seven
2: hundred and twenty five thousand or
1: something seven, like that? 795. Seven ninety five. 95 so I mean, I don't, you know, and Grant, I, I fully understand we're, in some sense, apples to oranges, talking about Dylan Strom and Zdeno Jar. I mean, I there's not even a, a basis for comparison, but where I'm going with this is right now, I just, with the, with the market the way that it is, I mean, I, I Strom has no leverage, um, he right. doesn't, and right. if he signs on the really, really cheap, and he's in the uniform, great, um, but if, if there's if it and it's again, it's not an attack on his character. It's not necessarily attack on his game. It's just a business decision. I do not think Dylan Strome in today's market should command any more term than than this one shortened
2: season. Right. Uh, and Andy, you might be right on that in terms of term. I didn't think about it in terms of that, because like John said, the salary cap is kind of flatlined even going down. So yeah. with 22, 23 coming up where all the big money's going to be off the Hawks' books, you definitely don't want to commit to Dylan Strome past that. Right.
0: right. Well, it was interesting, Bowman. So in his comments, he did say that, um, you know, he's following a formula that's driven by the player's contract status, their age, um, et cetera. And it sounded as though he's, that was the nudge at, at the agent to say, look, this is, this is what I'm looking at you need to be looking at this with me so we can do a deal. <laughs> um, so that, that speaks to what you guys are talking about. It, it may well be that, you know, the hangup is about term, not necessarily dollar value. Um, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know. Um, I, it seems like, you know, again, because of the way that the, um, the cap is and the way that the revenues are and the uncertainty that's out there the, the agent may actually be wanting Strom to get a longer deal for as much money as possible. And Bowman may be pushing back and saying, dude, not happening. You know, so. I, I
1: think, I think if that is what Strom's agent is doing, I think he's playing a losing game right now. And it's honestly almost unfair to Dylan at that point. Yeah. you know, because I mean, it, it's basically, you've got, you've got two guys in a head heads up poker match right now. And one of them has the cards. The other guy knows that he, that he's got the cards and yet he's still trying to, Almost bluff him in a sense. I mean, it's not Stan Bowman is totally within his right and within logical, good reasoning to say one year, one year, or Dylan Strom cannot play hockey in the NHL this year.
2: Right. Cause they retain yeah. his rights and they, they him. trade him. Right. Or they're not going to play.
1: Right. Like if you want to play hockey, you're coming back for one year. And so All right,
0: we've, go ahead, Andy. Sorry.
1: Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's, that's it.
0: We've spent enough time on Dylan Strom. So let's dive into some questions. Cause there's, there's, we had a lot, a lot of questions tonight. And uh, thank you all for everybody for contributing those. And Andy, this one I'm going to put to you first, because this is a little bit more in your bailiwick with, uh, with Rockford. Um, and I have, I have a couple of thoughts here, but not a lot. Um, but uh, this is from Ryan Shane. Which Blackhawk prospects have a realistic shot at playing with the big club this year? Are there any prospects not getting enough attention in the Hawks system? And I guess he means by not enough attention, not enough from fans in the media.
1: Wow. Um, that is an awesome question. You know, I think Hagel has probably got a pretty good shot this year at being more of a regular. I mean, we could even, we could even see him with a full season. I mean, he in red deer, he was a hundred point guy in the WHL. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's actually a pretty legitimate prospect. Um, now he might be a bottom six guy. Um, but he, he could be someone that has an impact right away that you see. Um, Pius Suter, we talked about him. He's not necessarily a Rockford guy. He's getting a lot of press. And Sean, you you woke me up on our last podcast, thankfully. And um, and Regula uh, Alec Regula is, a, is is a kid. I think that he is one of the Blackhawks' best prospects. Period. Um, Regula Regula. I don't know. Um is whichever them, way I say which it. Whichever one. Wrong, so. But for, for those of you that are listening and you do not know who he is, he was the uh, he was the the return on trading Brandon Perlini. Um, to To the Red Wings, so um, he was originally a a third round pick. uh, A Michigan native, yeah, yeah, Detroit kid. Played his prep hockey at the Cranbrook School, and then spent um, you know a few seasons uh, playing for Dale Hunter in London. And if you know the London Knights, they produce hockey players, very, very real ones. Um, And we've seen a few of them: Bali and Patrick Kane coming through, obviously. Yeah, that's right. This this kid's twenty years old. Big right handed shot. Um, I don't know if this is going to be his year, but again, injuries, if it is a Seabrook or a Murphy injury, that is his style of play is that, is that big lumbering physical defenseman who can move a puck pretty well. Yeah. So there is a real possibility that, that we see him in the lineup. And there's, there's all this attention to Ian Mitchell. There's all this attention to Wyatt, uh, Colin, who I actually think are pretty decent prospects, but Mitchell's getting so much attention. I think long-term regular might be better than he is ultimately might yeah. might have more longevity to his career yeah. um, because he has that sandpaper element. He has, I think the Chicago fans will love him ultimately. I mean, he'll, he'll throw a few people through the glass and he'll just play really hard. And um, you know, so I, I think he's one that maybe that we don't hear Scott Powers has written about him a little bit, but we don't hear as much attention to him as some of the others. Uh, you know, I think Hagel's got a good shot. You know, I've, I've mentioned before, you know, obviously I, um evan barrett is one that i'm very very keen on but that might not be this year that's more of a longer term um and whistle uh wrote about him in the latest blog you know i mean he if you if you watch some clips on him he's fast he's big and he's got a nose for the net and he has kind of a (laughs) this is a, a little bit of a paradox to say this but like a controlled recklessness to his game like you can just see that inner hunger to him but it's it's somewhat in control but i mean it's if if someone's dumping in the puck in his corner and I'm a defenseman, I, I'm not, I'm not going to want to be retrieving that thing. I yeah. mean, he, he hunts a little bit.
0: Um, you know, the Hawks need guys like that. I they do. And the, you know, right, the same deal. I mean, um, although it whistles a forward, I mean, but they need those big guys who can skate and can, and can, can also play, you know, they need those guys. I mean, Bowman, I think if you got Bowman in a candid moment, he would admit to you that he's he spent too many draft picks on small, skilled, but small and perimeter style players. And they need, you know, you look at the teams that are perennially contenders, especially in the Eastern Conference. But I think in general now you need guys with size and skating and skill. You need all three. Right. Um, sure. You can have smaller guys who play big. Um, but, but, but if you've got a team full of perimeter players, it's going to look good, but it's not going to be winning hockey. And especially not in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I mean, guys like will so take your time with them and don't let them go so quickly because because if they can develop those guys um, on the third and fourth lines, you know. Um, and, got, you know, Hegel. I love what you're saying about Hegel because, I mean, and, and I, I know guys, you know, readers of mine over the years have criticized me for being all about lunch pail guys and not not enough about skill guys. But, again, you need those guys on your Absolutely. third and fourth lines. I just remember – the, you know, the, the great Red Wings teams of 20 years ago, you know, that that had you know Fedorov and Iserman and and all and um uh, Datsuk and um you know the other the other Swede now his name's escaping me. Um, but um, there's another one, Sean, but um, uh, uh, Zetterberg there, yeah, they're
2: I was Zetterberg, gonna say Zetterberg, but I'm Zetterberg. like,
0: but they had all those guys, but they also had Chris Draper, you know, yeah. and the Kirk Maltby, and they Maltby had those guys awesome. that that were so tough to play against and, and play roles. And you need those guys on, on a, on a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs. You really do need those guys who so guys you can play hockey, yeah. but they're, but they're guys who are going to just be tough as nails to play against and, and, and fill roles and kill penalties, et cetera. So, I mean, a guy like Hagel, I mean, I've heard him described, and I, and if he ends up being this, I've heard him described as being like sort of like Matthew Highmore, but with more, Credible NHL skill than Matthew Highmore. And I love Matthew Highmore because he's always around the puck. At least he is like when he's playing against AHL level players or in exhibition games. And, you know, a guy, if, if Hegel can be that kind of guy in the NHL, who's just tough and competitive and can do a lot of different things for you. I'd be interested to see what happens with him. You know, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in camp. I, I think he might be the, I don't want to say the one because there's with all the injuries there might be a few, but he mostly a Rockford mainstay last year that might make the team right out of camp this year, might make the Hawks right out of camp and might stay. Was
2: Highmore or Highmore was playing well too? Are you talking about Hagel? I'm sorry, yeah, Hagel. But Hagel, Hagel Hagel never they brought him up twice last year, right? And he never played. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know they brought him up a couple games. Yeah. I don't he, think has, he ever he played that. He has debuted in the NHL, I believe. But oh, maybe he played one game because I know they recalled yeah. him a couple times. Yeah.
1: um yeah, so I don't know. I think those are those are the Rockford guys. I mean, and I still I, and I said this on our last on our last uh podcast, but Nicholas Bodine, I'm still I'm still intrigued by he's I mean he's a first-round draft pick that they knew was gonna take a lot of time. I mean he's 21, 22 years old, he's a fluid skater. Um, if he can find a way to play that style that we talked about last week, a Matt Grizzlick style where you're not, you know, as susceptible to injury and you're not trying to go through walls and you're just a little bit more of a crafty about your movement. Um, he could, he could do something ultimately. Now this might not be his year, but, um, but we'll see, there'll be so many surprises. I mean, I, I mean, the, the list of Blackhawks rostered players from now until May is going to be very, very long. And how many people are going to and from Rockford. Yep. 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 Yep.
2: There's definitely going to be a shuttle.
0: Yep. Yep. So Chris Pumber had another question and this is a really good one. This is one we could, we could riff on a little bit. Um, you know, what is the right balance of letting younger guys play and develop and having enough on ice competence to aid in that development? I'm going to dive in on this first and then I'll turn it over to you guys. You know, I remember when, um, the Blackhawks, you know, last rebuilt, which was really about, um, 16, 17 years ago, 2004, 2005, 2006. And I remember when Duncan Keith came up and, you know, he, he spent some time in the minors and Troy Brower spent some time in the minors and, um, Dave Boland spent some time in the minors, et cetera. And, you know, Kane and came to the, came to the NHL relatively quickly. Taves came relatively quickly, but, you know, I, I, I think that, my personal belief is I I do think there is something to not putting players in situations too quickly, which will impede their development. But I also feel like if you've got young guys who are legitimately talented um, and have legitimately high NHL upside, it just seems like you almost can't rush those guys. Meaning that if the team's not very good, there's really not much point in letting them like Dom bumslay in the minors, bring them up, plug them in, let them take their knocks, really, you know, keep, keep a hand on them so they're, so they're not getting damaged emotionally or mentally through the process. But, you know, I just think guys like Keith, for example, Kane Taves, who are elite talents, um, they, they, they played on bad NHL teams at first, and it was okay, you know. I think it probably helped their development. So I think that, you know, the Hawks may be sort of pursuing that same model again, like by moving Doc and Boquist along fast and maybe mitchell will get moved along fast but some of these other guys they may take a little more time with and, and keep them in the minors and i think it seems like they're going about this the right way because it's sort of the model that that the hawks followed um back in 0405 which in hindsight worked out pretty well what do you guys think sean what do you think
2: yeah i think you i think you're exactly right I, i'm looking at the um I was looking at the 0506 team and they had like legitimate NHL guys on the team still. Um, they didn't, they, I mean, Craig Anderson obviously was one of their goalers, but they still had Eric Daze and they still had older veteran guys that could, could uh, shelter the young kids. That's, a, that's what you want to do. You don't want to, you don't want to roll out two lines of all 20 some 20, 19 year old kids that have never played the NHL or have very limited experience, they're just going to get their brains beat in. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be beneficial in the long run, but you've got to, this is the time where they can figure out what they need to work on at the NHL level. The amount of minutes they're going to get, you can figure out what type of player you think they are. And then you can in practice and in games and stuff like that, they're going to be able to learn on the job, which is something that, I mean, like um, the previous regime, like, um Troy Brower, Andrew Shaw, Brian Bickle, all those guys had to, they developed at Rockford before they came up and they came up in, a, in waves. Like all those guys developed in Rockford. Now these these guys have the opportunity to develop at the NHL level. You just want to make sure that there's still veteran NHL players on the ice with them. And if they have a bad game, you sit them down the next night. You don't, you don't let them keep making the same mistakes over. and if they're not developing, you send them down to Rockford, and you let them learn there but you've got to you've got to kind of i don't want to you got to kind of and each guy is different too you kind of kind of hold the reins and figure it out in that regard
1: yeah no, Sean, i'm catching your frisbee i know exactly what you're saying i i think that you finding finding that balance of i mean you, you can't bring three guys that you know are are probably you know, currently better off in the NA or in the AHL and putting them on the third line together in an NHL game. And they're never going to touch the puck and they're all just going to be running around in circles all night. I, I agree with you that if you're going to bring a couple kids up and, and, you know, let them play and, and let them get that NHL experience, you know, put them in a pairing or put them on a line with someone who knows what they're doing, who can at least work with them and give them tutelage and be like, Hey, you know, make sure you're, you know, shifting here. Or if I, if I make the move to the corner, you've got to be the high guy, you know, make sure that the language is there. I think that the Hawks will find themselves in some of those positions. It is hard to find that balance though. You know right. I mean? Like, like you know, an Evan Barrett, I think can eventually score goals in the NHL if he gets the confidence to score goals in the AHL first, yeah. and just throwing him into the NHL and being like, all right, you know, you're going to get five or six shifts a game. Maybe you'll touch the puck. Don't make any mistakes out there. Just dump it in. You know, that's not going to do anything for the kid. Um, It's not going to do anything at all. But, you know, I I think they did have the luxury of, you know, those 2004-2005 teams and those early teams that Keith and Seabrook were on where, you know, those guys, they knew they were going to be NHL players. They knew that most teams figured when they came into the United Center, it was a night off for them. You know, they didn't have to go particularly hard at the Hawks. They can afford to have them make some of those mistakes and they, you know, it, it wouldn't be that glaring on the fan base. Now it's shifted a little bit, you know, with the with the rebirth of the Blackhawks and the following that that a lot of those would be a little bit more glaring. But I agree. John. I, I think you can find that balance, but you need to put players in a position to be moderately successful. Right you now. And Colleton has he's going to have a, real, a hell of a time dealing with that. I think it's gonna be really hard. I mean, I I every time Jeremy Colliton for the last five months, when I hear his name, the only thing I think about is when he rolled out on a third line Strom to Brinkett and Nylander against Vegas. And I just go, oh you know, and I and I, you know, you can't you can't do I hope he doesn't do that to any other younger kids, you know, that are trying to find their way. But but I, I think there there will be a good mix and I think and I think that's why the revolving door will be important and will be a good thing. For a lot of those kids.
0: So a couple more questions we can, we can go through really quickly and, and then we can clean up house and, and close shop for the evening. Um, Henry do, um, and I'll just answer this real quickly. Then you guys can answer this rapid fire as well. Henry do asks: are the Hawks a lottery team this season? I will answer that as yes, they are. What do you guys yes. think? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Next Simon <laughs> Fernandez. This one, this one may be a little bit longer of an answer. The Hawks can only retain salary on one more trade this year. Is it Kane or Keith? And I'll I'll interject. Is it someone else? And and um, I have a thought on that. Um, and or can can they trade retain salary? I don't believe they can re- trade trade retain salary. But you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking to see. Can they
1: trade and retain salary? Meaning.
0: Can they trade retained salary? So I guess. Somehow include a retained retained salary. In I don't loophole. think
2: that's possible. No, I don't think either. it's it works like where you can trade. Wait,
1: oh, could you imagine that loophole? If that
2: <laughs> if if that loophole exists, Arizona <laughs> and Chicago yeah. or whatever yeah. his name would have figured it out. Yeah, right.
1: So basically, if they're able to trade a a, a bigger salary, who's going to be the guy? If they're able to move it. Well,
2: I
0: think he's asking if anybody. And I, my my take on it, see, he asks. The Hawks can only retain salary on one more trade this year. Is it Kane or Keith or someone else? And my, my, my guess is the answer to the, the above is anybody that they have to. I mean, because uh, yeah, I think right. that a lot of guys on the roster right now um, could potentially be gone at the trade deadline based upon the arc of the team and, and what Bowman seems to be trying to do right now. So it could, be, it could be anybody who has a sizable contract that they want to move. It doesn't have to right. be Kane or Keith. Um, but I mean, I don't know that he would retain so- salary on Soderberg. Doesn't have to really. I mean, it's a, it's a no, tiny salary,
1: not at a prorated deal with Soderberg. But I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that that even guys like Murphy and DeHaan are even in that conversation, right? I mean,
2: they're. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't just because Taves and Doc got injured. I don't think Stan Bowman's going to change his plan. And if and if he had it in his mind that he was going to trade. Try to trade Keith or Kane this season, then he's going to do it. But if if it wasn't his mindset ahead of time, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, and yeah. I they sure. based on the Google machine, um, you, uh, I believe you cannot trade retained salary. No, I don't think you can. And the Blackhawks do have; they're currently retaining salary on Brandon Saad, a million and seven hundred fifty thousand one hundred eight dollars, in Oli Mata for the next two seasons. Yeah.
0: I, you know, again, on, on the Kane, first of all, I think the only two, you know, big veteran salaries, they could sign um, Strom and then trade him. Yeah. I can good. see that happening. Yeah. That could happen. Um, I, I could also see them trading if somebody came to him with the right offer. I could see them trading to bring it. I don't think they're going to trade yeah. Um, And if the only way Kane or Keith gets traded is if they ask. And, right, right. you know, there's no nothing to indicate that they have so far, but that's the situation. That it would not surprise me hugely if if this team is headed for the lottery again this year, and and one of them came to the team and said, "Look, I I would be open to a deal to a contender," but I also will not be surprised if it doesn't happen. But it could. Um, So that's the answer to that. So, all right, you guys, either you guys got anything else to add as far as uh, the topics we've discussed, or anything else in the in the world of the Blackhawks?
2: Um, Did we mention Zach Smith's coming to camp healthy? How could we
0: forgot how could we have overlooked that? But no, yes, that's true. Zach Smith is he yeah. is, is he coming back? Is he back and healthy?
2: I thought I thought there was another guy in addition to Andrew Shaw that was healthy. Another guy who was injured. I think the, I did the, hear that. I think yeah, that was, was suggesting Zach
0: Smith
1: is coming back and he's coming
0: to camp. So yeah, I think it was Smith. So yeah, that's that's more exciting news for this team. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: I, no, no knock on Zach Smith. He was, no,
2: no. And, and yeah, maybe he's a guy that can player. be – he's at – I was just looking at it. He's at three – he's got a, a modified no-trade clause. He's at 3.25, which is high. But at pro-rated, maybe he's a guy that they move. If, if somebody – he's got a 10-team list, but
1: – Yeah, he's got one he's more year like, on
2: his this deal. This is the last year of his deal. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Andy.
1: No, I just – that that – you know that that it's good that he's healthy i mean i yep. that is a possibility to be able to move him
0: yep guys like him and Shaw i think are guys who, right. who i could see them if they're healthy which is an right. if but i could see them retaining dollars on moving either of those guys at the deadline if somebody's interested in they're healthy i could i could definitely see cuz they both have pretty pretty hefty contracts for guys who are injury prone and and on the downward side of their careers but uh you know, again, I mean, if a team is looking for that kind of guy, a penalty killer or some toughness and a lot of playoff experience with Shaw, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good, good experience there in the the playoffs and, and, you know, Shaw, Shaw went healthy, has value for what he does, you know, so I could see that. So, yeah. Um, Anything else? Okay. I'm going to wrap it up. Gentlemen, thank you for all of you who've stuck with us on Facebook or um, are listening to the podcast later on on iTunes. Thank you. We appreciate the support. Um, the last couple of shows have been very popular uh, based on the downloads, et cetera. So we, we love it. We're excited about it. We got some great stuff coming. We're going to have more guests um, aside from our usual uh, intrepid panel, um, including these two guys. Um, thank you to our sponsors, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. Use the rink, T H E R I N K, no dash, all caps, for 10% off on anything there, including that amazingly swag rink gear. Um, and then our new sponsor Manscaped.com, M A N S C A P E D.com. You can get 20% off there with the rink Chicago, no, all caps, no spaces, 20% off on all their great stuff. And like I said, we're going to be able to uh, share with you some of the products on the future show. Uh, but it's always going to be about hockey primarily here, so I'm not, uh, not becoming all about Mount Vernon, really. um, Just a little bit about it. Um, so anyway, thank you all for listening tonight and spending a little bit of your holidays with us, and we will see you all on the rink.